0: Before we kick off today's show, I want to take just a moment to talk about an opportunity you and I may have to help some other pilots. And don't get worried here, I'm not talking about donating money or anything like that. I'm talking about sharing stories that we have that may benefit other pilots. For the past couple of months, you and I have been talking about the importance of declaring an emergency with air traffic control anytime we find ourselves in an urgent situation in our airplane. We've gotten the attention of the FAA, and just recently, I also got the attention of an editor at Flight Training Magazine. He said, if I can come up with a couple of pilots who have experienced an emergency or wish they had declared an emergency in an urgent situation, we might have a really good story to tell other pilots. So here's my offer to you. Please, if you have ever found yourself in a situation where you had to declare an in-flight an emergency, or... If you've ever found yourself in an urgent situation where you wished you had declared an in-flight emergency but did not, I'd sure love to hear from you. I'd like to pass your story along to other pilots using every channel available, and that may include a publication of an article at Flight Training Magazine. Now, I know you're concerned that you probably don't want your name highlighted in the news, so my offer to you is this. If you'd get in touch with me, I promise that we will leave out all the details that keep your information confidential. In other words, I'm not going to publish your name if you don't want me to or any of the other details that might reveal who you are. I simply want to hear your story and see if we can relate it to other pilots in a way that is very meaningful and may encourage them to declare an emergency should they ever encounter a bad situation in their airplane and they're hesitant to do to declare that emergency. So please... If any of these situations apply to you, whether you've declared an in-flight emergency or wished you had in a situation that was urgent, please write to me at jeff at atccommunication.com. Again, that's jeff at atccommunication.com. We'll talk it over and see if there's an important lesson that we can pass along to other pilots. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to Radar Contact, the audio show that teaches pilots how to
1: speak professionally and with confidence to air traffic control. And now, here's your host, airline pilot, author, and host of ATCCommunication.com,
0: Jeff Canarish. There are a lot of advantages to flying VFR. One of the biggest advantages is the opportunity to fly where you want, when you want, with very little or no restrictions at all. Of course, there are rules to follow, and that's the R in VFR, but there really aren't that many rules, especially when you compare VFR flight to IFR flight. When flying IFR, you're extremely restricted in where you may fly, and most days, flying IFR is sort of like entering a tunnel after you take off from your departure point, and you remain in that tunnel until you emerge at your destination. The walls of the tunnel keep you in a very narrow path throughout your flight, but that's not so with VFR flight. You can take off, and you might think to yourself, well, it's a beautiful day. Let's go tour the countryside and see what we can see. I think that is what attracts a lot of people to flying. It can give you a sense of freedom that you seldom experience on the ground. Well, pilots who fly around major airports in the U.S. or around areas that have a lot of military flying activity eventually discover that VFR flying is not as free-form as they first thought. For example, if you happen to fly near a major U.S. city with a large airport such as Chicago, L.A., or New York, your flying is going to be a little less free than if you flew, say, for example, in central Nebraska, where there are no major airports at all. What's the big restriction in Chicago, L.A., or New York? It's something called Class B airspace, which for VFR pilots might as well be a cement wall. With some exceptions, under VFR, you simply cannot pass through that wall and enter Class B airspace. Although it may be inconvenient and counter to your sense of flying freedom, there's a very good reason why ATC restricts VFR aircraft from entering most Class B airspace. Most aircraft inside of Class B are flying around at 200-250 knots. So trying to sequence a light general aviation aircraft traveling at 80 to 150 knots with airline traffic moving in the 200s inside of Class B is very difficult. Think of the aggravation you may have felt when you encountered someone on the highway who's driving at 45 miles per hour in in the passing lane. Not only does that slow poke aggravate you, the slow driver probably causes a traffic jam if the highway is busy. Well, the same problem would develop if a slow-moving airplane got into a lane of high-speed traffic inside of Class B. On highways in the U.S., slow-moving traffic is expected to move to the right-hand lanes of a highway, allowing faster traffic to pass on the left. And it turns out certain Class B structures in the U.S. have lanes reserved for VFR traffic as well. For example, The Class B structure that contains New York's LaGuardia and Kennedy airports along with New Jersey's Newark Liberty Airport has a corridor that allows VFR traffic to pass safely through without conflicting with faster moving IFR traffic within the Class Bravo airspace. The FAA created these VFR corridors through Class B structures that are some of the largest in the United States. Consider the Class B that covers New York and Newark that I just mentioned. That Class B structure is so large that a VFR aircraft would have to travel very far out of the way to work its way around the Class B. To save air miles, the FAA designed a VFR corridor, they actually call it a VFR transition route, but it is a corridor that allows aircraft to pass through a shortcut in the airspace without mixing it up with airline and business jet traffic. This is a good deal for VFR pilots. If the Class B you are approaching does not have a VFR transition route, I can say with nearly 100% certainty, ATC is not going to let you enter the Class B while VFR. You're certainly welcome to fly around the border of or underneath that Class B without talking to ATC, but it's not a great idea. I'm going to confess that when I used to fly VFR around Chicago, underneath or just outside of the Class B, I didn't bother to contact ATC. Now, that's when I was much younger and had a lot less experience. And more than once, I passed uncomfortably close to other aircraft that were also operating near the edges of the Class B because I didn't see them until the last moment in what were at the time marginal VFR conditions. So here's the deal. Don't do what I used to do when I was young and stupid and fly blindly beneath Class B. The gaps below the layers of Class B are very compressed, meaning there is going to be a lot of VFR traffic jammed into a very limited area underneath and just outside the boundaries. Your chances of a close call with another aircraft doing exactly what you're doing are very high. Your best bet is to get in touch with ATC for VFR flight following when you're working under or around Class B. So the question becomes, who do you contact at ATC to get flight following? And the answer is it's on your sectional chart or on your terminal area chart. You'll notice either chart will have information boxes outlined in magenta that tell you who to contact, the frequency to use, and how far out from the center of Class B airspace you should make your first radio call. For example, if you look at the Miami sectional chart, which contains the Tampa Class B airspace, or if you look at that terminal area chart for Tampa, you'll see magenta info boxes around the Class B borders that say, Contact Tampa Approach within 20 miles on frequency 119.65. That's pretty self-explanatory. I'll point out that if you're already in contact with ATC for VFR flight following, prior to reaching the point where you should contact Tampa Approach, The air traffic controller providing flight following will direct you to make the frequency change. For example, if you were in contact with Miami Center, as you approach the edge of the Tampa Class B, Miami Center would switch you over to approach control on 119.65. When you contact Tampa Approach, in most cases, you'll be talking to an air traffic controller who is responsible for managing traffic that is not operating within the confines of Class B your approach controller will most likely be handling traffic that is either transiting underneath Class B or landing at satellite airports around the primary airport at the center of Class B. In our example, even though we would be talking to Tampa Approach, that approach controller is probably not handling the big jets landing at Tampa International, and there's a very good reason for this. Generally, the approach controller manning arrivals and departures at Tampa International usually has his hands full separating fast-moving traffic. Those guys are simply too busy uh, working airline traffic to also manage all of the additional aircraft moving under the Class B. Now, late at night, as traffic into and out of the main airport reduces to a trickle, a single approach controller may handle all of the traffic inside and outside of the Class B airspace. During the day and evening, when traffic density is high in and around Class B, there will be a separate controller or even multiple air traffic controllers to only handle the traffic outside of Class B. As far as you're concerned, though, it really doesn't matter who is at the other end of your radio. You simply refer to that person as, in this case, Tampa Approach. Now, let's talk about what your radio call should sound like when you make initial contact with the Approach Controller. Of course, the first thing out of your mouth when you key the microphone is to state who you're calling. In this case, you would begin your transmission by saying, Tampa Approach. You would immediately follow this with your call sign. The next part of your transmission is your position. And there are a couple of ways to state your position. You may tell the controller your precise position using radial and DME from a nearby Vortac. For example, you might say... On the Tampa 120 degree radial for 20 DME. Generally, though, you don't need to be this precise when making initial contact. It's perfectly acceptable to state your position more generally like this 20 miles southeast of Tampa. The last part of your initial transmission to the approach controller is to simply say VFR. So the whole radio call put together would sound like this Tampa approach. Cessna 9130 Delta, 20 miles southeast of Tampa, VFR. There are a lot of amped up pilots who try to fit everything they need into that first radio call. You know what I mean? It sounds like this. Tampa approach, high voltage, 577 kilo Mike, 20 miles north of Tampa, VFR 3500. Landing St. Pete, request VFR flight following. That's just too much information for an introductory radio call. Although there is no written guidance anywhere on what to say in this situation, good sense would tell you to keep your hello short. Think about the air traffic controller at the other end of this radio call. He is likely already monitoring and controlling a ton of traffic buzzing underneath and around the Class B airspace. When you first make contact with him, you are a complete unknown who is jumping into his workload. He simply will not be ready for a heap of information when you first check in. You will get a much better reception for the approach controller if you simply say, this is my name, and I'm over here, and nothing else. And then when the approach controller hears that introduction, he'll say hello, and then slap a name tag on you. That name tag, of course, is a transponder code. It will sound like this.
1: Cessna 9130 Delta, Squawk 0731, and remain clear of Class Bravo airspace
0: you should repeat the transponder code and acknowledge that you will remain clear of class B. Susna
1: 9130 Delta squawking 0731 and will remain clear of class Bravo.
0: At this point Tampa approach will say Susna 9130 Delta radar contact 18 eight miles southwest of
1: Tampa Tampa altimeter 3010. Verify your altitude and your request.
0: Now is the time to not only repeat the altimeter setting but now is the time to finish the rest of your brain dump.
1: Cessna 9130 Delta
0: 3010, we are level 3,500, landing St. Pete, request
1: flight following.
0: At this point, he will tell you,
1: Cessna 9130 Delta, maintain VFR and advise me if you change altitude.
0: Really, all you need to say at this point in response is,
1: Cessna 9130 Delta.
0: You could repeat the bit about maintaining VFR and advising them of altitude changes, but this statement is so routine, there's really no requirement to repeat it. Simply saying your call sign gets the point across that you've understood, receive the message, and you'll comply. We covered a lot of ground here, so let me put the whole radio exchange together so you can hear how it sounds as one continuous conversation. Tampa Approach,
1: Cessna 9130 Delta. Two zero miles southeast of Tampa, VFR. Cessna nine one three zero Delta Tampa Approach, squawk 0731 and remain clear of Class Bravo airspace. Cessna nine one three zero Delta, squawking 0731 and will remain clear of Class Bravo. Cessna nine one three zero Delta, radar contact, one eight miles southeast of Tampa. Tampa altimeter three zero one zero. Verify your altitude and say your request. Cessna 9130 Delta 3010, we are level at
0: 3,500, landing St. Pete. Request VFR flight following.
1: Cessna 9130 Delta, Roger. Maintain VFR and advise me if you change altitude. Cessna 9130 Delta.
0: As you proceed towards your destination of St. Pete Clearwater Airport, Tampa Approach will point out traffic in your area. The controller will also monitor your altitude and position to make sure you stay underneath and outside of the boundaries of the Class Bravo airspace. If it appears you are headed towards a boundary or your altitude is not beneath the floor of the Class B, the approach controller may advise you either to change altitude or heading. I say may because if he is talking to another aircraft as you approach a Class Bravo border, he may not get in contact with you in time to warn you away from the border. Remember, it is ultimately your responsibility to stay out of the Class B. As you approach your destination airport, usually about 10 miles from the airport, the approach controller will say,
1: Cessna 9130 Delta, radar service terminated. Contact St. Pete Tower on 118.3.
0: If you are not landing at an airport underneath Class B, but simply passing through the area, as you approach the boundary of approach control's airspace, he will hand you off to the ATC agency that provides radar coverage outside of his area of responsibility. That radio transmission would sound like this.
1: Cessna 9130 Delta. For further flight following, contact Miami Center on 127.2.
0: have just talked about how ATC can work with you as you fly near Class B airspace. ATC can also be a good partner when you are flying into other areas where there is airspace you should not fly into. The list of places you should not enter while VFR is pretty extensive. I'm sure you are well aware that you should never fly into any airspace that is listed as prohibited on your navigation chart. Unlike prohibited areas, Restricted areas may not be entirely out of bounds for VFR flight. Certain restricted areas may be inactive during times of the day and on certain days of the week. Active times may be published on navigation charts or specified in NOTAMs. Air Traffic Control will also have timely updates on whether or not a restricted area is active. Obviously, when flying VFR, you will always need to stay out of prohibited airspace and active restricted airspace. And while it is ultimately your responsibility to remain aware of your position in relationship to closed airspace, ATC can help steer you around either of these types of areas if you ask for help. I strongly recommend getting in touch with ATC for flight following anytime you'll be operating near restricted or prohibited airspace. You can give yourself an advantage by asking ATC to back you up. Military Operating Areas, or MOAs, can you fly through those one VFR? Yes, you can fly through an active MOA one VFR, but the real question is, should you? I think the answer to this question is the same answer you would get when asked whether you should fly through a shaft of hail. Assuming you have the required three miles in-flight visibility as you fly through a shaft of hail, you are perfectly legal to do so. But is it smart to fly through hail? Absolutely not. The same can be said about flying through MOAs. You can do it, but it would be stupid. Now, if you're talking to ATC as you approach an active MOA, technically, ATC can't prevent you from wandering through. But you had better believe the air traffic controller is going to try his hardest to talk you out of it. Why? Because ATC knows flying through an active MOA is similar to flying through a shaft of hail. In both cases, hail or a MOA, it's very likely the skin of your aircraft is going to get severely dented. My rule of thumb is, anytime I'm flying near a MOA and I'm not 100% certain where the boundaries of the MOA lie, well, I get in touch with ATC to help me stay out of trouble. Active warning areas are another place I'd rather not fly into. Warning areas are essentially MOAs positioned out over water. Although most warning areas do not extend all the way down to the surface and can usually be easily underflown, some warning areas do begin at the surface. Like MOAs, most warning areas are not continually active. Navigation charts and NOTAMs will tell you the periods in which they may be active, but ATC will also have up-to-the-minute information on whether a warning area is actually hot within that active period. Because as fighter jets... Exit the warning area for brief periods of time, those warning areas are actually cold and you can pass through without any trouble. ATC can really come through for you when it comes to avoiding temporary flight restrictions, more commonly referred to as TFRs. TFRs should really be called temporary prohibited areas because when and where they exist, almost no aircraft are permitted inside. TFRs are activated to protect highly sensitive personnel, usually the President of the United States and some similarly high-level visiting foreign dignitaries. The thing that makes TFRs so tricky is their temporary nature. They are not depicted on any navigation chart. You will only be aware of them if you carefully study all of the NOTAMs applicable to your route of flight. ATC will work really well for you if you're flying VFR when a TFR goes active along your route of flight. Even if you miss a written notification of the TFR, ATC will give you a heads up about the prohibited area well before you reach it. ATC can also provide avoidance vectors to steer you well clear of the TFR. What about alert areas? Are you required to stay out of a charted alert area when flying VFR? No, not at all, and I wouldn't even say you should avoid flying through alert areas. An alert area is placed on your navigation chart to give you a heads up that there might be an unusually high amount of air traffic inside of that area. What I would recommend is getting in touch with ATC for flight following before you enter an alert area. If you ask for flight following, ATC will act as a second set of eyeballs to help you spot traffic in a very busy bit of airspace. Here's what it all comes down to. When flying VFR, you do have a lot of freedom in where you may fly. But flying VFR does not give you a license to fly everywhere. There are quite a few places within the United States where you are either not legal to enter or... It would be foolish to enter even though you have a legal right to do so. While it is ultimately your responsibility as pilot in command to know where it is legal and smart to fly, ATC can be a great resource for helping you keep it all sorted out. Before we get to your question of the week, I want to take a minute to thank you if you've commented on any of my Radio Mastery books. In addition to the feedback I get by email about my books, I also monitor the comments people write at Amazon.com. I recently updated Radio Mastery for VFR Pilots based on feedback. While my books are intended to be as complete as possible, there are always those one off flying situations that pilots have that I did not foresee when I originally sat down to write. If, after reading or listening to anything I say at the website, or in my books, raises a question or a comment, I'm just an email away. Please write to me at jeff at atccommunication.com. If you prefer to use Twitter, you may also reach me there at twitter.com slash atc underscore jeff. When I say I look forward to hearing from you, I really mean that. And now, let's get to your question of the week you are VFR approaching Class Bravo airspace over Phoenix's Sky Harbor International Airport. As you approach the southern entry point of the VFR transition route that passes through the Class B structure, you tune in Phoenix Approach's radio frequency. The radio frequency is very busy and you cannot find a break in the radio traffic to announce your intentions to Phoenix Approach. Your fuel on board is getting low. You know you need to press on northbound through the transition route to have any chance of making it to your destination north of Phoenix with a comfortable margin of fuel remaining in the tank. Here's your question. Since the transition route that passes through the Phoenix Class B airspace is specifically reserved for VFR aircraft, and the parameters for flying that transition route are published on your terminal area chart, Is it permissible to enter the transition route immediately and then advise Phoenix Approach of your intentions after you've entered the corridor? When you think you know the answer to that question, go to atccommunication.com forward slash answers. There you'll find a complete answer along with a full explanation of how that answer was derived. Music for this show is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com on a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Well, if you're flying this week, I hope you have a great time and beautiful weather. And if you happen to be flying around some of the nation's busiest airports, those that have Class B airspace over the top of them, I strongly suggest you get in touch with ATC for VFR flight following to help you stay out of the Class B and negotiate your way through all the dense traffic that's flying underneath. I'm Jeff Canaris for ATCCommunication.com saying be well, keep in touch, and fly safe.